Hey everyone, Ray here. Just want to let you all know that this episode was recorded way back in 2021 for a panel that we did for Geek Girl Conline titled My First Steps in the Animation Industry. We invited Lee Cree, Sam McAuliffe, and Stephanie Rizzo to be a part of this roundtable discussion. You might notice we describe what we are wearing and our surroundings. This was sent at the request of Geek Girl Con for those that might be visually impaired. Thanks again to Alyssa Eskew, Alyssa Jones, and Marina Martinez, as well as the Geek Girl Con staff for inviting us to host this panel. Now, on with the episode. stem from like you mentioned Steph that the process of getting a job it starts all the way back into like the school aspect that they mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. teach this competitive nature in the industry and I too felt that way at some point but now I'm in it and I'm like oh it's not that like cutthroat mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. like Iron mm-hmm. Chef or something yeah. <laughs> Hello, welcome everyone to Geek Girl Kind 2021. For those of you who may not know us, I am Raymond Ozolanda. My pronouns are he, him. I am one half of the co-hosts on the Straight Ahead Animation Podcast. I am Mexican-American storyboard artist working at Warner Brothers Animation. I'm currently situated in the corner of my office surrounded by these blue and gray sound panels, uh, rocking my favorite blue floral shirt and trying not to let my headphones uh, ruin my bed hair that I have going on here with my little uh, swoop. (laughs) But that's me. (laughs) And I'm Yuki Okamura Wong, the other half of our whole host. My pronouns are she, her. I'm half Japanese, half Chinese. My hair is black with the bottom half bleached blonde. I'm wearing a t-shirt with a skateboarding python and it says tubular and I'm wearing a gray blazer. <laughs> to the left of me are way too many plushies and to the right of me are way too many books. Uh, we quickly want to thank uh, the Twitch audience for tuning in as well as thanking Alyssa Skew and Marina Martinez and also uh, the other Alyssa that's also on this call for setting this up. We are so excited to be hosting this panel straight ahead, my first steps in the animation industry. And we are having a roundtable discussion with these three amazing and talented women. And with that said, may our individuals uh, introduce themselves. Hi, uh, my name is Tamia Kala. And I am in a white room because I just moved to this new apartment and I have no artwork or anything hung up on the wall. And I'm wearing a cozy brown jacket with a white t-shirt and a red bandana. And my pronouns are she, her, and I am a concept artist. Hey guys, I'm Stephanie Rizzo. Um, I'm a character designer and story artist. I'm Mexican-American and queer woman. Oh, I am in... (laughs) my brother's room temporarily because i'm with my parents house so it's filled with 14 15 year old teen stuff <laughs> um i'm wearing a white t-shirt with like a like a graphic tee with some clouds um i have curly hair wearing glasses and um oh my pronouns are she and her and i guess that leaves me hello everyone my name is lee Cree. my pronoun pronouns are she her as well uh i am Black, Puerto Rican, Cherokee, and uh, white mixed, <laughs> something American. Um, <laughs> I'm a 2D animator and storyboard artist. I currently work over at Titmouse on Star Trek Lower Deck season three. And I'm currently in my bedroom. Behind me is my bed with a lot of plushies, some posters, a lot of manga and anime figurines. So I think that says a lot about my personality. <laughs> <laughs> I have long, thick black hair, and I'm currently wearing a, a black and white checkered shirt. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, excellent. Uh, and we also have our editor, Ashley Itleong, with us. She'll be around the Twitch chat uh, to answer answer some general questions if you guys have any. Hi, this is Ashley. Um, I'm not visually on the screen, but I also use she, her pronouns. I'm Filipino-American. I'm a freelance editor and, as Yuki said, one of the editors for the Straight Ahead Animation Podcast. And my handle is ashbash7. So if you see me in the Twitch chat, I may be sending messages to help answer any quick questions. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ashley. Perfect. Well, before we jump into our roundtable discussion, we're going to start off the way we always do on Straight Ahead with a fun little icebreaker called In Between. We're going to give you two similar choices, and then you have to choose in between the two of them, and then let us know why you guys are. <laughs> it's not going to be that bad. Um, and if you're watching or listening along on Twitch, uh, you can uh, play along in the chat. Are you guys ready? 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Would you rather discover Treasure Planet like Jim Hawkins in Treasure Planet, or would you rather uncover the lost world of Atlantis like Milo Thatch in Atlantis: The Lost Empire? Uh, let's go in order, or whoever wants to jump in first. Damn, that's hard. They're all really cool. <laughs> it's a thinker, isn't it? Oh, you knew yeah. you knew what both of them were this time. <laughs> what yes (laughs) actually for me it's easy i am actually scared of the ocean and like deep water so i'm just gonna go with the planet i would rather be high up in the sky with clouds oh just fun yeah space pirate sammy nice okay so that's so that's one for discovering treasure planet okay oh lee you seem to be struggling there <laughs> in true fashion, I'm stumped. I think <laughs> yeah. I would do Atlantis. Well, okay. Whoa, okay. My first was Treasure Planet, but Atlantis just because like I'm forgetting her name, but the girl, the oh Kita characters. Well, yeah, right. Kita. Mm-hmm. Like she's really cool, and just like learning or like riding one of those like like the fish thing. What is it like motorcycle fish thing? Like, yeah, that is really cool. So those are my reasons. <laughs> that is a cool vehicle, but counter yeah. that point, that opening scene with Jim just riding on that little hover, yeah. like surfboard thing. Uh-huh. That's also pretty dope. That, I, know, that's I, would, what I, was too. I would want one of those. Yeah. <laughs> so the tiebreakers left up to me. All right, tiebreaker Lee. This is what happens when you when you're indecisive. <laughs> no, it's not that I'm indecisive. I just want both. Exactly. <laughs> this is what describes indecisiveness. <laughs> I think I have to go with Atlantis because the princess. I, I, when I first saw her as a kid, yeah. I was like, "Oh my god, she looked like me!" Mm-hmm. <laughs> so cute. Yeah. Despite like you know the white hair and blue eyes and stuff, yeah, but yeah. it's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a brown woman existing in a, a Disney property. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. Also, that's just not fair because Treasure Planet has some really great character design. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's fair. It's tough. I mean, but I, I think I have to go with Atlantis. Oh, wow. Okay. What about you, Yuki? What have you gone with? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I love Long John Silver. Wait, that's his name, right? Uh, Long John Silver? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just He's just a big dude with a mechanical arm. I think he's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> um oh there's also uh, uh captain amelia there i guess too i i would probably go with treasure planet uh yes. <laughs> <laughs> like this is a really hard question but also before this i had to tell ray i was like i love this question because i didn't watch treasure planet when it first came out and mm-hmm. i kept getting conf- confused with a different film called titan ae which was like like the two main characters look very similar, mm-hmm. but they're totally different films. And I was like, this mm-hmm. is so weird. Mm-hmm. Um, dude, it's yeah. a weird movie. <laughs> oh man. Okay, Ray. Well what what is it? I gotta go. I gotta go with Treasure Planet. It's space. Dang. dang. I, let's go. <laughs> let's go. A pirate ship is a spaceship. It is like really how cool, cool yeah. is that? Yeah. It is but really like cool. Atlantis, you guys like the city. With flying, yeah, but Atlantis <laughs> is on Earth. It's down in the ocean. I know it's I there, know, but I don't know what's in space. I'm, I'm not harp. I'm not like <laughs> talking Atlantis either. It's like, like you said, Lee. They're both good. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. It's tough. They're both underrated. Yeah. Yes, sure. both severely. Mm-hmm. This was so great. I'm glad uh, we got to stump some of you or like see you guys struggle. That's always the best part of doing in between. So <laughs> thank you to our amazing guests for playing in between with us. And thank you to the Twitch audience who's been playing along as well. You are all wonderful. So now that uh, we're all warmed up, let's jump into the roundtable discussion. We'll go uh, one by one, but uh, could each of you tell us how you first broke into the animation industry? And then we'll go in in order that we were introduced. So, uh, Samia, go ahead and first. Yeah, so um, I was on the, not the last, but the last, last semester before I graduated. And one of my teachers recommended me to this small animation studio in Daly City here in the Bay Area um, because they were looking for an intern at the time. And... I went there, I interviewed, 
it was so scary. I was freaking out. And at the end of the interview, they like took me out and like had me like meet everyone. I was so confused because I was like, wait, why am I meeting everyone? What's happening? I thought this is an interview, but now I'm like saying hello and being friends with people. <laughs> and I get an email like a few hours later, they're like, hey, we really want to hire you. And that was my first job as a 2D animator. And I was lucky enough to work alongside um, a French animator who was like amazing at animating 2D anything out of her head. Like she doesn't even need reference. She just like can visualize everything in 3D. So she like taught me all these like flash animation tricks, but also like anatomy and like how to like respond to like notes and feedback from um, like my leads. Um, and then I was there for a while. And then after that, I moved on to more jobs. But that was my first introduction and she was the sweetest person. We're still friends till this day. Mm. Uh, so great. And then just really quickly as well, like when you were applying for this, you were also like an international student. So like that was also a process for the studio as well when bringing you on initially. Yeah, they, they needed to, I needed to be upfront with them that I will need sponsoring after a year. So that's like a whole other situation that I can talk about, but it's very complicated, very confusing, very stressful. So anyone who's an international student trying to get a job in the US, good luck. It's not easy. And like, I know everyone's doing their best and it's like this, sometimes it's like not in your control whether you get the job or not. It's not because you're not a good artist. It's more of like just visa complications and yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally. Uh, so go ahead. Yeah. Uh, if you want to go ahead, Steph. Awesome. Uh, so I got my first opportunity because um, uh, I had a lot of friends at Cal State Fullerton and I would go to their PMC club, the Pencil Mileage Club. And one of their panels, uh, there is a recruiter, uh, Matt Roberts. And um, I happened to give him one of the art books that me and my partner at the time were working on. And um, after like a few months later, he reached out if I wanted to apply for like a story training program at Disney. And so I was like, okay, like that sounds kind of cool. <laughs> I'll apply to that. <laughs> um, I applied. I didn't think I would get it just because I was studying character design. So it was very like, uh, not like super different because it was storytelling, but I just wasn't studying that. Um, but I was like, let me just take the chance. Uh, and luckily, like I got a chance to be part of that training program. Uh, and that was for like a year. And I got to like to learn everything about storyboarding with like my mentor that I got and uh, other people that participated as well. Um, and from there, like it just kind of snowballed um, opportunities after that program. Mm. You weren't studying at that time, were you, at Cal State uh, Fullerton, right? No, I was actually at community college uh, here in mm -hmm. Orange County, uh, Orange Coast Community College. Um, mm -hmm. So I was studying narrative illustration, which was uh, didn't have to do with anything in animation, but it did teach you how, like composition and basically like the fundamentals of story mm -hmm. and drawing, which is something like you know everyone kind of should take <laughs> in a lot. So um, I was just kind of like doing that and studying on the side so i would be doing like schoolism or um chris Oatley academy to learn about care design and a little bit of storyboarding yeah. that's awesome yeah, yeah great cool. go lee go lee yeah so my first uh animation job was when i was a senior in, in college i almost said high school um, I that would have been wild. Sure. That would have been wild, right? <laughs> yeah, senior in college, I interned at Sesame Street. Uh, yep, that Sesame Street. <laughs> and how I got to Sesame Street, haha, was at the time I was trying to get an internship because my school required me to have one in order to graduate. Can't explain why they did that. It's very pressuring. But yeah, at the time I was looking to applied to internships. I had just got a rejection from an internship I thought I had because I knew the people beforehand. I It was in Boston because I went to school in Massachusetts and I was heartbroken that I didn't get the internship. So I ended up talking to my mentor who he's known me since I was like a baby, not a baby, <laughs> but a baby. <laughs> um, I was very young when we first met. Um, and at the time he was a character designer at Sesame Street, but now he's like the lead character designer or something like that. 
Oh. Um, so I had asked him, like, how do you deal with rejection and all that stuff? And like, how do you get over that? And he gave me some really great advice that sometimes when a, a door closes, it means another one opens. Like it's not, you know, the end of the world. It just happened. So I didn't know when he said that <laughs> what was going to happen next. Um, he already had like a lot of my work to begin with since we've known each other for so long. And he actually was the one to recommend me uh, to apply to the internship program at Sesame Workshop is the name of the studio uh, way past the deadline. So I was incredibly lucky to interview for them. And then I got the call that I was selected while I was at a K-pop concert that my mom <laughs> told me I couldn't go to. And if my mom is watching this, sorry, mom. And then I was an intern at Sesame Street. I primarily worked on uh, doing animation revisions uh, in Flash for like Elmo's World or a lot of their like international stuff because they have to translate things into different languages. So sometimes we have to like clean out all of the text and like the animations and stuff, but it was super cool. Mm. And then I graduated and then I didn't get my next job until like two years after, which was Nickelodeon. So yeah. <laughs> wow. Not a, but, not a bad leap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, that's great though. Cause like, again, just shows that like, cause you've been in the industry now for like a while for at least a good couple of years. So it just, it's always kind of different, but like, again, you've seemed like you've been getting a nice steady flow of work since then. So all, all three of you have been in the industry for quite a bit now. You guys are still very early on in the stages of your career. But now that you guys kind of been in it for like a small stint, what are some changes that you kind of want to see in the animation industry? And then Samuel, we'll start with you. Um, I think a big thing that I felt like when I first graduated and went into the industry is the stress that you have to like, overwork super hard just to like prove yourself or prove it to yourself and other people that you deserve this to the point where it's not healthy mm -hmm. and i think it would be nice to like anyone new joining the industry to like have a talk with them that it's okay to struggle at the beginning it's okay to like make mistakes like you don't need to get everything perfect immediately and no one like no human can do that but I guess on us, and I don't know about like the rest of you, I felt like everything had to be correct. Like I, no mistakes. If I get any feedback, it means I failed. I suck. Mm -hmm. They're going to fire me immediately. Oh, it'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's still like that. I have to like remind myself, like Sammy, it's okay. Like you're, you're human, you're working, but being a student and getting in the industry, it's like that mindset is, is really difficult. And I don't know if it's related because we like get grades graded during school so in my head like oh we're still being graded at work which i guess to some degree obviously you know you don't want to do like really bad work but there's a level of balance that i think needs to be discussed with people joining any team um and making sure they're mentally like okay not like struggling and hiding it at work mm -hmm. but yeah I, I also love if anyone of you like have any things about that topic too specifically because i'm still working on myself with that yeah yeah just like bouncing off what you're saying like i think it's important that to not feel like because it is competitive like to get a job in the animation industry but i feel like we get so stuck in that that like we like forget that it's a community that we need to help each other and i think that's what like the mental health comes with where like oh i have to prove like my worth and i have this job that like am i good i don't know like i don't even know why i'm here and it's just it's just like a lot and i think that's something definitely i would want to see like change in in the process of like getting a job in the industry or like being able to like give i mean there's mentorship programs right there's internships but like you said it's still competitive like you have to know somebody know somebody that helps you get that internship and i feel like we're supposed to be helping each other out in that sense of like being more open that it's okay if you're not at a level right now like it just takes time and it's okay yeah, because I think a part of it does stem from, like you mentioned, Steph, that the process of getting a job, I think it starts all the way back into like the school aspect that they mm -hmm. sort of mm -hmm. teach this competitive nature in the industry that is animation. And I, too, felt that way at some point. But now I'm in it and I'm like, oh, it's not that mm -hmm. like cutthroat. Mm -hmm. It's not mm -hmm. like Iron mm -hmm. Chef or something. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna get chopped. It's okay. Yeah. And I think because we come from that from school or like just like knowing that we still have that in our mind when we're at work and we're like, oh shit, like we gotta do the best or we're gonna get fired or like they're gonna just grab somebody else and like replace us. You know, like you mm-hmm. it's just in our head and it's not okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah. If you can, listeners, whoever you are, if you're still a student, mm-hmm. just trust in the process. Don't be afraid to like build that community. Mm-hmm. Um and you know have confidence although it takes a long time to build that up like it's okay take your time (laughs) Mm -hmm. we're all in this together we make cartoons (laughs) (laughs) i guess to add on to that because uh kind of like you guys were all saying uh kind of trying to get out of that competitive mindset and not wanting to fail you'd be surprised how much your coworkers and stuff are willing to help you like Asking questions is not a bad thing. It doesn't mean that you suck. It doesn't mean that you're competent. It just means that like, yeah, you're you might not fully know or you just want to make sure you're doing the job correctly. And then your 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 coworkers or your supervisor will just jump in and be like, oh, yeah, totally. Let me help you out or let me give you advice that I from my experiences. And it's just like asking questions is just never bad. Mm-hmm. It might feel intimidating because you might feel like, oh, they're going to think I'm dumb. But asking a question is never going to backfire on you. It's only going to help you and help you make better work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess just to add on to that of like getting everything perfect, especially in my my first uh, job, I was trying to get everything perfect, but that made me really slow. And Mm -hmm. I was like not meeting certain quotas uh, at that time. And I'm really fortunate that like uh, my crew was able to like, like we had enough time that it wasn't too big of an issue. But that's where it became a problem of like, I'm trying to make something that's like up to a perfect standard or something that I would consider an A, like Mm -hmm. A quality Mm -hmm. work. But like, we just need it to go out the door. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) at that point, Mm -hmm. it just needs to get done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Is there anything else, any other changes that any of you, uh, staff or lead, that you guys would want to see as well? I think personally for me, um, I started out in preschool. And now I'm currently working like an adult. I've done a little bit of action mm-hmm. and I've noticed like the demographic of certain productions like drastically shift depending on like what it is, what genre it is. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that when I was working at Sesame Street, it was like the most diverse place I've ever worked on. There was a lot of women of color on there, a lot of people from different gender identities, sexualities and all that type of stuff. Um, but then as I like went through like six to 11 to like adult, I've noticed that there's less of that type of um, diversity, which I, I would really like to see that, you know, storyboard artists, character designers, production people, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. coordinators, executives, showrunners, EPs. I, I would like to see that diversity, like, mm-hmm. like be in expanded. that action, expand mm-hmm. it in that action in like adult space. Cause right now it feels like it's like the same type of thing over and over again. And maybe that's mm-hmm. why a lot of people from the outside feel like adult animation feels the same all the time. Mm-hmm. It's because like the people working on it um, might not be as diverse and inclusive as mm-hmm. you think it would be. But that's mm-hmm. something I particularly would, would love to see because it, it it always feels strange to like walk into a room and be like, oh man, I'm the only one who like looks like this. And it's kind of it's kind of awkward. Yeah. Because um, yeah. then you end up being like that person of like, like, oh, we want to write a character that's this. You are this as well. And it's and everybody like, in like the a, room just turns to you and be like, Yeah, yeah it's like a weight on your shoulders, but yeah. you yourself is not the entire experience of like a whole entire mm-hmm. culture, a whole entire mm-hmm. sexual identity, a gender identity. It's not a mm-hmm. monolith, like not you alone can uh explain the experience to somebody who just doesn't understand that or it's just not mm-hmm. that. So that's something I, I wish. I could see a little bit more in the industry pertaining to like action in adult spaces. Um, but that's just from my experience so far. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. As somebody who's worked on both like preschool and adult uh, shows, I agree. <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly <laughs> with that uh, statement. It's, it's kind of been uh, similar in my experience. Uh, maybe a little bit less on the animation team, just because like of the studio that I worked at at the time, but like, on the executive level like 
kind of going up especially yeah it's totally less diverse Mm -hmm. and hopefully we keep moving in that kind of expansive direction where there's more diversity in different parts of the pipeline and different like you know seniorities because right now i feel like we're at the stage where the conversations you know still roll in where they're trying to there's there's efforts from the studios to have more inclusive and diverse people in different roles but right now we're still in that feeling of like we need to be that representation of our culture instead of just being a regular artist on a team so right so hopefully eventually we can get over that hurdle and just be artists and not just artists that has to represent our culture just because we're the only ones of that culture in the room right it hurts every time (laughs) (laughs) uh steph did you want to add anything on to uh either this question or a change that you want to see in the animation industry um no (laughs) i was just kind of agreeing to both of them i was kind of like yeah like yeah that (laughs) yeah yeah because like like you said well i I think you had experience once of you that like they actually were diverse so sony is my first like feature film that i've been like surrounded with other people and they are very diverse especially like on spidey 2 right now like the team has been diverse from the beginning Mm -hmm. so I think they've been doing a good job and Sony at what I've learned has been always trying their best to like be diverse and bring in people not just because like oh well you'll relate to this you know it's mm-hmm. like we we just want to hire like people that are different that's cool you're working on yeah yeah you're working on Spider-Verse 2 right to soon. <laughs> yeah I'm on, on Spider-Verse 2 <laughs> yeah but I've seen other one you know the things were like in production in other movies mm-hmm. um it like everyone was diverse like I could, I could, I could see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, 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 like around the studio, huh? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why I said when like COVID hit, because then I didn't get to like interact with more people. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> but I could see it. I was like, wow, like this is really cool. Like to see, even like directors or like mm-hmm. I would see like a lot of female directors. I'm like, wow, like <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> you know, what a just, concept. Mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> no, but yeah, like shout out to them. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, let me get into another one of these questions here. Uh, Samia, for our viewers watching, if you don't know, Samia was able to partner with Facebook and Oculus to create and direct a short film in VR, which was actually like animated and everything in VR. Um, like normally you would have to build models and then like rig them and animate them and stuff. But this was like uh, painted with like quill technology, right? Yeah, it was I put on the headset. And I just mm-hmm. go in the VR world and just like, I do this. I look like a person. <laughs> someone just walks next to me and they're like, what is she doing? Don't worry, just don't get in her like range. She's, she's at like a country or something. But that was but what, for uh, like six months. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like being able to tell your story and direct the short film, Katir Tayeb? Um, so when they first like reached out about it, uh, I kind of panicked because I was like, wait, I'm not supposed to do my film until I'm at least 40 or 50 because I need to be <laughs> experienced and ready. I was like, what? Don't don't pay me money. I don't know what I'm doing. The only film I did was in school and now you want to like pay money to make me do a film? Um, but then um, I have a mentor over there, um, Goro Fujita, who actually introduced me to Quill and he was like, you should pitch for it, like go for it. Like you have a lot of personal stories that would be interesting. And initially I was pitching all these generic stories that I thought are cool mm. uh, because I was like not sure what I wanted to do and I also like uh it was my first time actually doing something this big I was like okay I'll just go with the safer options like the boring stories and then one last minute story that I like pitched was uh about my love for food and like traveling and eating with different family and friends and that was like my least favorite like I numbered it as number five I think I was like ah just a backup and then Goro was like, this one, you're going to pitch this one. I was like, oh, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, this is it. So I, I make like a pitch deck with just quick drawings and like an idea of what it's about. And they like, perfect, this, do it. Like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. So I like call my friend because at that time I didn't have any script or anything. I just had drawings and I was like, yeah, food and people, I guess. I call my friend who's like, an amazing storyboard artist and also we've known each other for a few years i was like marilla are you free please help me i'll pay you um <laughs> and then we started working on a script that initially was just a story about food and people but as we were working on it 
I started to realize that it was all connected to my experience growing up with my uncle um, who like raised me a little bit alongside with like my, my dad and grandma to like go out and do new things. And he passed away two years before that happened. So it was kind of like a journey to like let out my feelings about it in like a healing process. Um, and at the same time, I, I dedicated it for him. And the moment I realized that it was kind of, I'm not sure what word to use, but it was like, oh my God, this feels like this is the thing I need to do with that. Like, it wasn't a struggle to get the story out because it was like just coming out on its own. Mm. Almost like an epiphany. I, I guess so. It, it was like kind of like a release when you're like, oh. This is what I needed to do all this time. Why was I trying to pretend I'm someone else? Mm. Obviously, Morello like was... Almost like euphoric, I guess. Yeah, is yeah. There's a word, yeah. And it was very... No, euphoric. Very scary, because all my art before that time, it was either, you know, doing it for the job, or my personal art was more of like... Uh, like, I would always have a wall, so I would just draw things, but not really how, you know... I, I would just hide my feelings. Mm -hmm. Um... And then once we found like, okay, the core of the story, uh, Mirella was like really amazing with, uh, English is not my first language. So Mirella was like the best in actually helping me phrase things correctly. Cause I would just like dump on her like paragraphs of just like, this, 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 I don't know. And then this happened and this happened and this happened. And then she would be like, okay, give me one week. And then she'll come back and then she'll show me a script. And I'm just like, oh my God, thank you. You exist. This is exactly <laughs> what I wanted to say, but you said it in two sentences. And then she would draw like her beautiful art. So yeah, uh, so I guess just to finish off so I don't take too long. The script and the story took four months to like actually finalize. And then doing the actual work like in VR was a month like i did not expect that to happen. wow i thought i would be working more in vr but actually doing this story was like the intense hard part and i think mm. part of it is because it was like related to my uncle and i was like still like you know processing it and like recovering from it and it was kind of like therapy yeah that's yeah the one. it was like part of your grieving yeah and then yeah. um once it was out and I was like showing it to like my grandma, like, you know, his mom and like his wife and like my cousins and stuff. And I didn't realize that it was going to make people cry because he actually shows up in at the end and then you're like having a meal with him and I'm like talking over it. And that was like another thing that made me feel really happy, not not to make people cry, but like <laughs> that they can experience like sitting with him again. Uh, in in VR and like feel like they're they're having a meal. With That's beautiful. I, I'm like, yeah. no, don't cry. <laughs> I was like, okay, you don't need to be 50 or 40. I don't know why I have those numbers in my head to make a film, a good film. You just have to dig deep, really deep, and don't like worry about like what's in your head. Like, oh, this is what makes it look cool. No, just dig deep, like raw emotions. Um, at least that's my advice, and I'm hoping I can like do this again for my future project. I, I, I have like notes on my, um, I keep like sticky notes on my uh, Cintiq to kind of remind me of that moment when that happened and like, oh, that was actually good. Like you're doing it for yourself, not for pleasing other people. And again, uh, Akil's Facebook, they had no like directions or like no feedback. They were just like, wow, this is perfect. So it helped me not like feel like I need to judge myself or change the story. I just told mm -hmm. it as I wanted to be told. That's incredible. That's really great. Yeah. And if you have an Oculus headset, you can watch it. Just like look up my name and it will show up. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially like um, it's doing well in the film circuit. It recently got accepted into Ottawa as well, which is so cool. Yeah. And it's actually going to be in uh, two more film festivals this coming weeks, one in New York and one in um, here in, in the Bay, the Arab Film Festivals. and. I'm like so excited. Wow, more people wow, get to see it. Awesome. Yeah, Thank that's you. great. Thank you. So to shift focus a bit, uh, Steph, you are currently working on the highly anticipated sequel, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 2. We also know that you were one of the first board artists that was brought on to the team. What has it been like storyboarding in the blue sky phase on a feature film? 
And then for those that don't know, Blue Sky doesn't refer to the former studio. It refers to like early conceptual phase of a project where ideas are being brainstormed and the skies are like blue with endless possibilities. Right. Um, it was actually really awesome. I think uh, it was me and my other coworker we were the only two story artists at the beginning. And it was really fun to just be able to like be in that state, like that blue sky state, because we were able to do like thumbnailing and, or um, uh, not thumbnailing, uh, b-boards mm. and like help sort of like create the story or like help them like visualize before even like starting storyboarding like a sequence um mm-hmm. so it's really cool to experience that and also be like in the room with the directors and uh seeing like the development of like visual development as well and it was it was a really good experience of just like seeing the inside of like what goes behind the scenes before like any of the script is like ready so it was it was pretty fun i um i think i learned a lot from just that like maybe first six months <laughs> of just being in the blue sky state <laughs> um but yeah it was it was intimidating too because literally like i was looking at old boards from the first one and i'm like so i'm gonna do this <laughs> this is what they <laughs> and I'm like, but it's fine it's fine like this is the blue sky state like i can just learn right now before like and you know we're on fire and we have to like get all the boards done <laughs> so yeah for the the beat boards is that more like in depth than a, a storyboard or is it just like ideas you guys are hashing out it, yeah it's just more of like instead of uh like boarding out the character like moving it, it would just be like beats of like oh like this is how emotional i kind of want this almost even like illustrating it but we didn't go like that mm-hmm. in depth um because then it's just like this that thing mm-hmm. <laughs> i would have been like yeah let's just color uh, but yeah it was just kind of like don't board the whole thing just beat it out and uh like you know, uh, help us like figure out what how we can tell like Miles' story in this other version of it. Yeah, like how to visualize certain key moments of like yeah, the, the scenes yeah. of the scripts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it would just kind of help them like filter out things that like they don't want to use or would or like spark their ideas. So it was really fun to just be able to help out like the directors and writers and even like Vista too. So it's kind of cool to later on be able to see all that stuff like using it. So yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's really, really great. And then obviously you don't have to go into detail and know like just NDA stuff, but right. from what we know about like working in animation, how much of the initial stuff has been like thrown out? Cause like, especially with storyboards, oh. things are put on the wall, then taken down a lot. <laughs> yeah. I think like definitely since this is my first like feature, I learned to like not fall in love with my board. So definitely like that first year, a lot of my boards are probably not going to see like, the, you know, nobody's going to see them probably. <laughs> until like years from now um but that's normal because that is like the pipeline mm-hmm. of like things will just keep changing and they keep changing till probably the very end depending on the production but um that's just how feature is and um but it's kind of cool you like you learn to just you're just boarding you're just helping out like visualize for the directors mm. so, yeah. really cool I hope, did i answer yeah. that right yeah yeah no <laughs> i kind of like you're, you're doing like, great <laughs> so excited for the film do you think you'll uh stay in feature film or like do you think you'll move on to uh like television or something fast paced um i feel like i'm i think i want to stay in feature mm. just because um i get the time to like board for longer time <laughs> uh tv seems i mean if <laughs> i get the, uh, the opportunity <laughs> yeah i'm like if i get <laughs> if i get a chance to do for tv like I think it would be awesome just mm-hmm. to experience that fast-paced. Mm. <laughs> You're like, Lee's like, no. Like, no, no, no. But, uh, like yeah. Just because uh. it's, a yeah. <laughs> it's a different process because, like, I have a friend who has been working in TV for a while mm-hmm. um, and for and storyboarding, and he'll be like, yeah, like, you you know, the story artist, like, gives you the stuff and then you just board out. You know, like, you're just, it's already there for you, but you have to clean up and, like, done with it like soon mm-hmm. <laughs> and for for feature it's like here's like you know three pages of script uh i'll give you like maybe two three weeks or like two weeks mm-hmm. but it could be rough we're just gonna show it like show it to you and then we just continue editing and then <laughs> and then uh, yeah and but that's like very <laughs> so like that blue sky not to go back but like that blue sky is very much like that it's very like chill until we have to start like showing screenings and that's when they're like 
you gotta draw faster. I'm like, oh god. And then like, that's what faster. Yeah, so look pretty oh now. It's gonna, people are gonna see it. Yeah. They're like, are you done? Here's more. I'm like, oh god. But no, it, it's all good. It's just that's not just the process of it. For mm-hmm. So yeah. Lee's like, I wish. Yeah. I wish I could be, that could be me. Come to the dark side, okay? No. Oh, I thought your TV. I thought TV light, was yeah. the dark side. I mean, the light. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> Nah, I, I love I love TV. <laughs> yeah. I think like the fun sorry, but the fun thing about TV is that you can move from like TV show to TV show, right? Like yeah. you get a chance to. And you know, future you stay there for like two, three years, which is cool too, because it's like you have a job for that long, but you you just stay in that one like movie for that mm-hmm. long project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. If you don't mind like the the quickness of it, which I don't mind because I like mm-hmm. getting things done. Mm-hmm. Um but also having the ability to just like be on different productions, meet new people, mm-hmm. uh, learn different pipelines because each production's different. Then mm-hmm. yeah, TV mm-hmm. is for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of changing often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, all the time. <laughs> all the time, yeah. Which is cool because you can change styles. Like that's you know, like I think that's that's a really cool skill mm-hmm. <laughs> to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. The, the down part to it is like. If you work on a show and it's like Family Guy style, and then you move to a show that's like Studio Mirror style, you like you, it'll take you the entirety of your contract to learn how to, to draw learn the characters. That. So by the time you learn, your contract is over. It's funny because I feel like that, like right now too, like. It didn't. It took a while, like Marvel, probably a year for me to just be like, "Oh, I know how to draw Spider Man now." I'm like, "That's so cool." <laughs> <laughs> it only took me a year. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's crazy. That's that's so sad. You're like, "Wow, I can draw this character." You're like, "Here, he's in your show." You're like, "What?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> back back at square one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that takes skills. <laughs> yeah, speaking of you know switching styles and uh, switching gears, even uh, Lee. You're working on several independent projects. Uh, some of them are just for fun. Uh, you know, like your Power Rangers Go project that you have your poster that you printed of your own project. <laughs> so cool. Um, yeah, Power Rangers Go that you eventually want to pitch like, uh, or Hollowville uh, as a webcomic or I, I don't want to be the protagonist. Um, all of these different things that you're working on and constantly posting on Twitter, which is great. Um, but where does this passion for all of your independent projects come from? And also, where do you find the time? Uh, do you have, this is Ray's joke, do you have a hyperbolic <laughs> time chamber that we don't know about? <laughs> I need First this. Off, <laughs> off, I love the deep cut of I don't want to be the protagonist because I made that tweet as a joke. <laughs> now people pressured me into making it. <laughs> It's always that way, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. To answer the, the the second part of the question, how do I find the time? Mm-hmm. I have a planner. <laughs> <laughs> I plan out every single hour of my day. Unfortunately, wow. for those who uh, uh, cannot see, I am now currently uh, holding up my planner with hour time <laughs> slots of things I do throughout the day in a week. Wow. <laughs> so detailed. Wow. Yeah. I like that everyone went like, what? Yeah, we're all like, <laughs> no, 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 no. the secret was planning all along. <laughs> no, I, I developed that habit in college because mm. I would take like five to six classes each semester. So I wow. just needed to learn how to like time manage. So it'd be like from 12 to 2 p.m. You're only going to do this. Once it's 2 p.m., you stop working on it. You move on to the next thing. And if there's mm. any extra time at the end of the day, I would... um. I would go back to anything that would um I didn't get to finish. So that's how I usually do things throughout my day. Um but yeah, as far as passion goes, what what is passion? <laughs> <laughs> I think my passion is a mix of like being inspired by people around me, whether it's like a family or friends or peers or like working on other people's projects. Cause uh, outside of my own, I do work on like indie projects and stuff. I'm currently working as a freelance 2D animator on 
and any pilot called Farfetch, the Farfetch show, if you know um, the people from Hasman Hotel, I think one of the writers and the cleanup mm. animators, they're making their own pilot and I'm working on their pilot, their independent pilot, Farfetch'd as like a 2D animator. So getting to do stuff like that is also really cool because it, it kind of inspires me to to do my own stuff. And then the last part of it is just always wanting to learn, I guess. And that's mm. what kind of pushes my passion of like, oh man, how do you composite a really complex scene in After Effects and make it look like really, really good? And then you sit for several hours in front of YouTube trying to figure out how to make a text do this. And you're like, I did it. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the passion is a lot of uh, factors at the end of the day. And it really just comes down to like wanting to make the shows that I wish I had growing up as a kid. Cause there wasn't a lot of like multiracial characters who came from like the inner cities who didn't have the perfect nuclear family or like wasn't straight. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it all is a combination of all those things. <laughs> if that answers the question. Yeah, totally. No, you did, yeah. I'm I'm glad that your solution isn't a hyperbolic time chamber, but a, a planner. Yeah, I I wish there was like a time machine, but there's not a time machine. The planner is a time machine, you guys. That's the big brain. The it's big brain move. There. It's all there. You, just, you can just order it on Amazon. They, you know. Send the link, guys. Just send the link. Uh, we're sponsored now. Actually, use our link to buy the planner. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a general question that I kind of want to ask now, because I think all of you guys touched on it a bit, mentioned it briefly, and I think this is definitely like a question that a lot of students or people that kind of want to enter in the industry tend to ask. But I kind of want to throw it out there as like to all of you is that what are your thoughts about education when trying to pursue a career in animation? So I'll I'll throw this to Samia. Mm, I think when I was pursuing the career in animation, I needed to apply for a college here in the states so i can get the visa but i feel like if at least for me because i i love studying if i was already here and i had my citizenship or green card i would have probably chosen the route of taking online classes because that mm. way i can pick and choose exactly what i what i was interested in not that i'm saying my education was not helpful but there was a lot a lot of classes that I was like, ah, oh, I'm spending a lot of money on this and it's not going to matter. <laughs> or I, like all the GE I had to take here, I basically studied it in high school back home, but they were like, nope, mm -hmm. you're taking it all over again. So mm -hmm. it would have been nice if I was able to focus my time more on picking and choosing those classes on my own time. Um, but that definitely will take away the part where, you know, you're working with friends, you're meeting people, like that is one of my favorite parts also from going to a school. No, that's great. No, that's definitely like a, a fair response. To everybody's like a little bit different. Uh, what about what about you, Steph? Because I know you also had a, a, a unique trajectory as well, where you went the community college route. Uh, yeah, so like I, I initially did want to go to art school mm. and I did. But I, I found out like just at the time financially, like I just couldn't afford it um and it was just like because when I graduated high school like I started college right away and so like I didn't really know what like I was gonna do if, if transfer or like a study graphic design because my parents were like just do that because you know it's safe <laughs> kind yeah. of thing and um and I was like, okay I'll just like transfer to like art schools but all the art schools that were close by were just really expensive and and I was still really young I, you know I was like 18 19 when i was like in, during that time uh so i transferred to laguna college um and i really like i looked it up a lot and i actually really like wanted to go to that school um and i finally did but it turns out like it was just i was there for eight weeks it was super expensive i was like man like i'm spending a lot of money and not a lot of the classes i took in korean college transferred as well and mm -hmm. so i'm like this kind of sucks that i have to pay like a lot more money for like life drawing or like the fundamental classes mm -hmm. and um i was like i i think i'm just gonna go back to community college so i dropped out from like uh art school 
and just went back to community college. So I guess I would say like, if you are able to like afford art schools or have the opportunity and privilege, like I feel like, you know, do that, <laughs> go for mm-hmm. it. Um, but if not, like there's, and especially now, there's so many different ways of like getting your art education, whether it be online or like community colleges are just like seeing that entertainment is rising. So yeah, I feel like there's many different paths to mm-hmm. study art. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. No, mm-hmm. I totally feel that. I I also went to community college, and when I transferred to uh, San Jose State, where Ray and I studied, um, also none of my credits transferred because yeah. of certain reasons. But it was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, luckily, <laughs> I I was in a situation where like I was able to afford uh the full full time mm-hmm. at university. But like, mm-hmm. that's totally like a real, you know, concern for a lot of people. Like, is to either yeah. like you know pay it or like take on a bunch mm-hmm. of debt which is something that mm-hmm. follows you for like many years yeah. even after you get yeah. what you're working so hard to uh, mm-hmm. achieve so that's totally awesome that you were able to you know like drop out of university to pursue your path in animation like in a way mm-hmm. that worked for you and i think that's mm-hmm. that there are a lot of things available like you said right now like online um just yeah. going uh to just going to the pencil mileage club even though you weren't there but yeah, like, like you know networking with friends and like hanging out yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and when i mean i mean i made like a community there in community college too mm-hmm. like i met some of my closest friends there mm-hmm. so i agree with uh, samaya like community in school like is really important too mm-hmm. so definitely like mm-hmm. being in person is like good yeah <laughs> Yeah, I think that's one of the great things I I enjoyed about school, just the community and the relationships that mm-hmm. I built. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was it the most expensive exactly. friends I have? <laughs> one of our guests yeah. said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, everybody I met is the most expensive Worth investment it, yeah. and, and friends I've ever made. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think that of was course. like Andrew or something. <laughs> and then Lee, what about you? Uh, what do I think about education and how that mm. plays a part in pursuing a career in animation? Yes. Ooh. <laughs> It, it's funny because I, I think I have the most like sh- straight like path straight ahead haha pathway uh, like, <laughs> getting my job like yeah. they tell you like you go to college you get the job and that's it like mm-hmm. I, I I pretty much had that experience but I, I've seen so many people not have that experience that uh, I honestly think like the word education is a uh, like it's it's always confi- conf- uh, confined in like a college institution sort of thing but education is so much more than just like you know going in and out of a building and all that stuff so Mm -hmm. I think as long as you're um I think as long as you're like learning the skills that you need to know and building the the community that you'll be working with like the friends Mm -hmm. and stuff that goes a long way Mm -hmm. I'm an advocate of not going into debt um as somebody who has student loan debt um and even then like I have it way easier than other people uh thank god but Mm -hmm. I I've I've seen I've seen what it can do so I think education is is great if you want to be in animation and and learn and stuff but you don't always have to go to like the SVAs and the Cal Arts even though the environment Mm -hmm. would help you your community you can still do your schoolism brainstorm um mm-hmm. the most recent like rad how to class um mm-hmm. courses mm-hmm. online um you'd be surprised how like many discord communities you could find where like people are just like trying to mm-hmm. uh improve their skills like what are they called the warrior painters or something like that yeah warrior painters yeah oh yeah there's so many facebook groups that are like that that are just building small communities and specific disciplines just kind of network but also build up on a skill mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like if you can't afford school, then try and find those avenues as well. Like learn as much as you can working within, you know, the resources or like financial state you're Mm -hmm. in, because as long as you have the skills and experience, uh, of course, it's a different case for like international people because of visa situations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if you're like in America and you want to work in American animation, um, you don't always need to put yourself into debt to follow your dreams or achieve Mm -hmm. your dreams. You just have to be a little bit more creative um how you get to your goal Mm -hmm. so yeah Mm -hmm. that's it (laughs) and then before we officially wrap up just one quick question from the chat that we got that i want to throw out to you guys so like rapid fire almost who are all of your favorite animators or like artists so samia go 
Uh, my favorite animator slash artist is Satoshi Khan. If you're not familiar with his work, please go watch Paprika. It's the best. Nice, nice, nice. Wow. Savvy. Yeah, Satoshi Khan. Good shout, though. I love that. So good. I'm looking out on other people that I like. (laughs) Well, like, it's like in character design, Mm -hmm. I definitely love like Nicola. why am I, I'm gonna say his name so wrong? Nicholas Marley is that how you say his last name? Yeah, he did like Kung Fu Panda and like mm, okay. Oh, oh no, his art's so good. Yeah, his art is like mm-hmm. I was heavily influenced by him because I love drawing animals. Mm. Uh, and uh, David Coleman, like his stuff is awesome too. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Joe Mosher, I'm probably saying it wrong too, but he did <laughs> awesome character design stuff. Like those are some of my favorite like artists. Mm. Um, and I can't think of story artists right now because I'm blinking out. It's just too fast. <laughs> Goldie, I don't know. I'll think of someone. Just pass it. <laughs> pass the baton. Am I allowed to list off a studio instead? Because there are so many animators in my head hey, right now. That okay. I feel like yeah, I need sure. to just say the studios. Okay. Uh, Kyoto Animation. Yes, I love Kyoto Kyo. Animation. Oh. Uh, hands down, best character acting, I believe. Because they, mm-hmm. they just know how to make things look like that are mundane beautiful um yes. and next would be uh science saru um absolutely always killing it visually they're like it's just different uh they currently have an anime right now called uh haike story which is like a historical anime and it looks like a watercolor painting i don't know how to describe oh. it outside of that so awesome. science saru and kyoto animation two of my favorite uh animation studios with some of my favorite directors and animators character designers compositors background painters <laughs> like go check the <laughs> yeah i absolutely love like looking at compositing especially in anime where it's like a really big part of their pipeline mm-hmm. i think it's in some pipelines here it is but like not as much i think yeah it's a whole uh thing if you ever like uh, on Twitter, one of the compositors for the newest Gundam Hathaway film, mm. um, Kentaro Waki, I believe that's how you say his name. Uh, he posted like uh, a breakdown of one shot, and it was like mm-hmm. sixty layers for compositing wow. and After Effects. Wow! But it yeah. was so amazing to see it from before and after. So mm-hmm. they they really uh, appreciate the compositing and take their time with it, which is something I I always try to achieve, but. Yeah, After Effects is crazy. I can't. <laughs> so learning. It's so heavy. Well, as much as we want to keep going, we do have to start wrapping up. Um, but before we do, where can our audience uh, on Twitch find each of you? Yeah. Are we going to order? Or we just... We'll go ahead with Sammy <laughs> first. Okay, sorry, sorry, my fault. You can uh, find me on Instagram under Samsoonful. This is a weird nickname my cousin gave me, like, 10 years ago, and I'm kind of stuck with it by now, but it's S-A-M-S-O-O-M-S-U-L. It was supposed to be from Beautiful, but then he made up the name and called me Samsoonful. He's just, yeah, that's where it comes from. (laughs) You know what? I always, for some reason, when I think of your name, Samsoonful, I was like, ah, a spoonful. So like, like, yeah, I guess that works too. I don't know. He was just like singing and making up random names. I was babysitting him at the time and yeah, it's stuck. So now I can't change it. It's too late. <laughs> I like it. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys can find me on Instagram as uh, Steph underscore Obel O B L E. Actually, no, that's wrong. <laughs> it's Rizo now. <laughs> I'm giving you an Obel. <laughs> yeah, so it's Steph underscore R I Z O. And on Twitter, I believe I'm Steph Obel. Ten. On that ten. Yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um i'm only on twitter and instagram uh so awesome yeah and then lee take us home steph steph almost pulled like the old phone number trick when you don't want somebody to call you <laughs> oh don't call me so here's my old one uh honestly because there's only apparently one lee cree in existence on the internet you can just google me and find all my socials <laughs> like immediately okay. but usually i'm just like lee cree on twitter instagram my website is Lee Cree. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> on Twitter, you got the the thirty eight SR. Is oh, like your actual handle. It is my actual handle because 
it stands for strontium on the periodic table. It's my favorite element because when you burn it, it's red Whoa. for pyrotechnics, oh. aka fireworks. <laughs> I just oh. never changed it, but usually, like if you type in Liu Kang Google, my Twitter is the first thing that pops up. So it's like, just Google me. <laughs> now you all know the secret reason behind the 38. Yeah, so many, so many people ask why. And I'm like, it's just the 38. <laughs> it's not that deep, but you've solved my chemistry puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> well, special thanks again to Alyssa Askew and Alyssa Jones for helping us run the, the panel here on uh, Geek Curl Con. Thank you to uh, Marina Martinez and all of the, the rest of the Geek Girl Con staff for putting uh, this together. Another special thanks to our editor, Ashley Itleong, who was helping us in the background. Thank you, Ashley. You're the best. Woo! Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at StraightAheadAP. Uh, and if you guys have like suggestions for future guests or anything like that, you can email us at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com. And a final thank you to all of our panelists who have a bright future straight ahead. Bye. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Good morning. Bye. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Wherever you are in the world, have a good one. Good afternoon. Okay. All right. We're good. That was awesome. Okay. Okay. I don't know.